protective of its pulpit. And most of the time you're going to see one of the elders here, unless it's an outside ministry coming in. But every once in a while, we find someone who really hears something from the Lord, and we say, you know what, that's something we want to share with the body of Christ. So Holly, I'm going to ask you to come up. And uh, here's the best thing I can say about Holly. If you know her at all, I don't know Holly real well, but I obviously know her, that anybody that knows Holly is better off after they know her than they were before. That's the best thing I can say about you. So with that, I will turn this over to Ellen. Oh, Ellen has a mic. Okay. First, First Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back with 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Hosea 3, verse 1 to 2. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3:16. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Holly Shepherd Vordenberg. I'd like to take a minute to thank our pastors and elders for giving me the opportunity to speak today. I have to tell you that this is a very difficult and humbling experience. So I will think long and hard before I do this again. <laughs> if ever, uh, but, I, but it just really made me realize that they work very hard to bring us the word of the Lord week after week after week, and I'm very grateful for that. So thank you to our pastors and elders. Oh, yeah, thank you. So I am not a pastor. I have no theological training, but I am a fellow sojourner, and I am a Christ follower trying to live out my God's call on my life. I love a good love story. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, a good summer rom-com, some popcorn, a happy ending. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. We are all wired to love, to want love, to love others, and to be loved. The three scripture portions that were read this morning are snapshots of God's love for us. Forever and ever, God has been trying to communicate his love to the church and to the world who does not know him. God speaks to us in many, many ways, but one of the ways that he speaks through is through stories. Our Bible is filled with real people who tell real stories about God's love. God is a master storyteller, and he is the author of love. 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, John 3.16. This is a very familiar Bible verse to some of us, but one little verse reveals so much about who God is. God is love. So loved. I stand before you today as a product of so loved. My mom and dad, like so many moms and dads, loved their three children so much. We were a swimming family, and I don't know if you know anything about competitive swimming, but it is for real. It is every season, four seasons, summer, fall, winter, spring. At one point, my brother and I swam on two different swim teams at the same time, and before school, after school, at night, wow. I think maybe dance comes close, right? But um, it was a full-time job for my parents to get us to swim practices. And I love that my parents didn't just sit in the stands watching us, uh, cheering like the rest of the parents. They were on the swimming deck, and my, my parents became officials at swim meets. And so my dad was, he was the race official. He was the guy that shot the gun to begin each race. Uh, he was so cute. He was like wearing a little white shirt, little officials badge on his sleeve. And he was wearing white pants and it was the 70s. So it was probably polyester, you know, and he's wearing little sneakers and he's just so cute. And I can still hear the sound of his voice when he said, swimmers, take your mark. Oh. And then my mom, she was one of three timers in the fast lane, which is usually where her children were swimming. Yeah. And um, she was so cute. We before touch pads, you know, the electronic timer or anything, so the timers were there. And she, my mom and dad were the last people to encourage us before a race, and they were the first people to congratulate us or console us, depending on how the race turned out. And I think that that's a lot like God. I think God is right there in the middle of our struggles. He's, he encourages us with his word, the Bible, and he consoles us with his presence. I caught the case of the so loved when I fell in love and married Stephen Vordenberg, and then again when I had um, three of my own daughters, I can remember there was one Christmas pageant in particular. And my eldest, Olivia Jewell, was about three years old at the time. Sing only child at the moment, you know what I'm talking about. And she was an angel in the children's choir. And she was on her little sparkly robe. And she had her little pipe cleaner, you know, halo on her head. And she was so cute. And I was like, and I was just like overcome with pride and I just knew at three years old that she was going to be an amazing entertainer and of course you know she grew up to be an actor so that worked out anyway I was standing there just loving her so much and I turned to my friend beside me and I said do you see that there's like a a glow around her head I mean is it just me or do you see the glow and she's like girlfriend, there's no glow, okay? It's just you. And I feel like that's the way God loves us. He looks at us and he sees a glow. 
He loves you that much. Um, so uh, I want to take us today to a very unlikely love story in the Old Testament. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, a prophet by the name of Hosea lived in the northern region of Israel. Incidentally, Hosea's name comes from the same Hebrew root, Hoshea, as the names Joshua and Jesus. The name Hosea means salvation. Anyway, it was a really rough time to be a prophet in Israel during this time. Six kings reigned in a period of 25 years, and four of those kings were murdered by their successors while they were still in office. These kings did not honor God in the way that they ruled Israel, and therefore the people wandered away from God. A prophet's job was to communicate the Lord's message to the people. God might ask a prophet to act out a message as the people watched. Uh, God might ask the, pro the prophet to deliver a message directly to the king, or he might preach a message to the people in a marketplace or something like this. But God asked Hosea to deliver his message in a very compelling way. God asked Hosea to live his story out in front of the people. And his story, his life story, it got their attention. Now what's interesting about any good story is that there are the main characters, there's the heroes of the story, the good guys, and then there's the bad guys, and there's all the extra characters in the story, but any good story has an audience. And we're like that because we are always the audience to somebody else's story. So here's what happened. God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. And I can imagine Hosea was like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, God, I'm not sure I heard you right. And God said, yes, yes, you did. So Hosea, man of God, prophet, was obedient. And he marries a girl named Gomer. For a few years, things seem to be going pretty well. They have a baby boy, so loved. A baby girl, another baby boy. Until one morning... The prophet of God wakes up and realizes that his wife is gone. He goes to the kitchen, looks all over the house. Did she pack a bag? Did she take the kids? She did not take the kids. And so here is Hosea, one very well-known man of God. You might call him a celebrity. This prophet, who is supposed to be the hope for Israel is now facing a situation where his wife is gone. Can you imagine how he's feeling? A single dad 
with three children? Can you imagine what the town is saying about him? The audience? He should have never married that girl. Should have never married her. Serves him right. Even a man of God can't keep his house together. You know, the, the gossip is brutal, isn't it? He's heartbroken. He's devastated, overwhelmed, embarrassed. And it's all in the public eye. And everybody's got an opinion. So some time passes, and God says to Hosea, okay, so here's the plan. I want you to go, and I want you to find her, and I want you to marry her again. Again? God, I'm already married to her, and she left me. We pick up the story here. Go and show your, light, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they have turned to other gods and love the idols of Baal. So at this time, the Israelites were absolutely enamored with the other nations that they were living in beside idols, self-gratification, what could be purchased, consumed, enjoyed, anything goes. They looked around and decided whatever the culture offered looked a lot better than trusting in the Lord. You know, I think that's an awful lot like the culture we live in today, isn't it? Today's culture says, put your best self on Facebook, hide the rest, do whatever you want. Just love yourself first. But God says, this is not love. You are worshiping idols. You are chasing after things that are going to bring you down. God says, I will show my people what love looks like. Hosea, go look for her. And he does. You know, I really can't imagine the painful trips that he made to the red light district looking for his wife. Have you seen my wife, Gomer? And then he finds her. I'm going to hit the pause button here for a second. <clears throat> Once my family, uh, we took a vacation to the island of St. Croix. Beautiful little island, U.S. Virgin Islands. That's so, so pretty. And um, trying to make an educational field trip, as parents do when they're on vacation with their kids, we took our girls to an ancient sugar plantation site. The, uh, the stone buildings were there, but there was, no, um, there was no more sugar production. You know, that was long, long gone. But we saw these tiny windowless buildings and learned that the laborers were enslaved Africans who had been kidnapped and brought over on slave ships to work the sugar plantations before being sold elsewhere. And I remember walking around this site, and I, 
I never, I'll never forget, I saw this square stone block in the middle of a courtyard. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I was like, okay. So I asked one of the tour guides, and I said, what, what is this thing? And he said, oh, yeah, well, that's where, that's where they would bring the slaves, and they, they would put them on this stone block, and they would, their feet would be shackled, and they would be very, wearing very little clothing, and their hands would be shackled. And the idea was that this is where the slave owners could walk around and preview the merchandise. This is exactly where Hosea found his wife. She was on the selling block. She's stripped down, she's penniless, she's dirty. Hosea had walked in on a slave auction. They have to outbid someone. Gomer, humiliated, terrified, with dried tears on her face, was she praying that God would come? That God, that Hosea might come and rescue her? Or had she completely given up all hope? She can't even look at him. He has to buy her back. She's already his, but he has to pay the price. Fifteen pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and some wine. You know, the symbolism's hard to miss here, isn't it? Because Hosea's name means salvation. So loved. The book of Hosea is really hard to read. Even with the promise of restoration, it takes Israel a really long time to get back to God. God is love, but he is also holy. And there's no happy ending for a really long time. Getting an entire nation with multi-generations to repentance takes a very, very long time. The book ends, and we really have no idea what happens to Gomer, Hosea, or their three children. But we know one thing. God so loved. And his love is what covers the distance. Gomer, a prostitute. Why or how did she end up where she did? We know absolutely nothing about her background, I, but I bet that this wasn't the life she dreamt of when she was a little girl. Was she caught in some form of addiction? Did she make some bad decisions? Was she in an abusive relationship? she couldn't escape from. You know, this week, my, my daughter, Emma, uh, had the opportun opportunity to help a friend named Bryn um, work on a promo video for a new ministry that she is starting. And Bryn wants to meet people in these seemingly hopeless places. She wants to be 
the person that, that meets them on behalf of a family. It's, it's an incredible ministry, and I'm really hoping that Bryn gets to come and speak to us someday soon. But as Emma and Bryn were driving around Manchester, Emma was telling me that there's like so many people living on the streets and living by the train tracks. And it's shocking to me. You know, I live in Amherst. It's a sweet little house, a yard, a dog. A, you know, I, it's hard to imagine that this actually is just not very far from here and that these people are living in drainage tunnels with pillow and blanket strung out on drugs. And I feel like God is saying to these people, I love you. Come home. Jesus says when your heart is broken and you've made some bad decisions and you feel like a complete failure, I love you. Hosea, the prophet. Being obedient, lived through some significant pain. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> Hosea had some trouble. He was a God-fearing man and a leader and an example, and this was hard. Yes, he was doing what God told him to do and living it out in front of a watching world. Can you relate, Can you relate to Hosea? Do you feel like there are some difficult circumstances that you are living through? Broken relationships, financial difficulties, health challenges, loneliness, depression, despair. And I think that as Christ followers, we need to be honest about the places we need God to carry us. I think we need to admit how much we need him in front of a watching world. You know, as Christians, we want to look like we got it all together. We sometimes hide our pain. We put on our church face. It's like, yeah, I got this. But it's fake. I mean, I've done it too. I feel like that when we're fake, we're not really helping anybody out. I know that God uses pain to purify us. I know that. But God used Hosea's pain and made it public on purpose. His was the story that God wanted Israel to see. And as they watched and saw this all play out, they learned and they saw that God loved them, and eventually lives were changed. I'm trying to change my perspective on pain because some of what I'm walking through is definitely the consequence of some bad choices that I've made in my life. But some of what I'm walking through, God seems to think I can handle. And as I'm walking through it, depending on him, recognizing that God is faithful, people look on. Will it bring God glory? I sure hope so. You know, some of you have watched my family's story play out over the past few years with my husband's health has declined. 
Uh, he has a very rare form of cancer that's wiped out his ability to use his hands and his feet. He's, he's gone from running and biking and golfing and working and driving and being a field marshal on soccer games. I mean, he's, he's done all of these things to walking with a walker and then to a wheelchair and then to a wheelchair with a transfer cord, and then back with now, praise God, with some healing back to a walker. Some of you have watched our family go through all of this, and so has our school community and my work community. And we've been to soccer games and to volleyball games and Fourth of July parades, and we've been out there, and people have watched us. And I've been so amazed at how my daughters have shared openly about the very real struggle in their life and how they have talked to their friends and their teachers, showing their world that we walk by faith, not by sight. One quick thing that my daughter Krista does that I absolutely love is she's got the Bible app on her phone, and every day um, when the Bible verse pops up on her phone, no matter where she is or whatever circumstance or whoever people she's with, she reads it out loud. I just love that. I think that is such a simple thing to do that she reads the Bible verse to whoever she might be with because she figures, you know, somebody needs to hear this. And I just, I love it. Small thing, big impact. See, I'm still bragging on my kids. Anyway, dare I say, Shiloh, that you too have been a very big part of our story. You've helped us with yard work in the spring and the fall and the spring and the fall and the spring and fall. You've done it so much. Um, you've brought us meals for munch. You've helped clean my house when Stephen came home from the hospital. You've lent us a snowblower, a refrigerator when our refrigerator broke down, a car. You've given financial gifts that help sustain us. See, here's the cool thing. The body of Christ has this wonderful thing, the way we can love each other, and it's a tangible way of loving each other that the world doesn't really recognize, but they watch it, and it brings God glory. And we do that because that's what love does. I've thought an awful lot about stories lately. I've had an opportunity uh, recently to tell my stories to uh, both of my daughters, Olivia and Emma, different, different occasions. And it was so good for us. I was able to be very honest with some of the big mistakes that I've made in my life and those consequences. My rebellious years and about how my mom prayed for me through all of that. Never, ever, ever stop praying for me. And I shared some of the victories I've had of how God has blessed me beyond my dreams. I had the best job in the whole world. And with tears streaming down our faces to share how the covering of God's love over my life has carried me. I have always been so loved, and so have you. What's your story? 
Are you like Gomer, needing salvation? Or are you like Israel? Do you need to trust God instead of what the culture offers? Or, um, or do you need to understand that we need, that Christians, we need to be a people of integrity. We need to repent when we sin. We need to be one person. We don't need to, to try to live a double life where we're different versions of ourselves depending where we are. No secrets. God sees it all anyway. Or are you like Hosea? Do you need to live your faith out loud for the watching world to see God's glory? And here is my challenge to us today. How is God writing his story into your history? Because your world needs your testimony. And while we are living out our God stories, can I, can I be honest? I don't have a happy ending yet. There are so many unfinished chapters. I'm believing in healing, complete healing for my husband and for my daughter, Krista. I'm praying for loved ones to come to a true faith, healing of broken relationships, reconciliation of estranged family, godly spouses for my daughters. No, many of these places are really broken. They're painful. They're difficult. But God is faithful. And his love is what covers the distance. So if his love sustains us, it's our faith that keeps us moving forward. And I love this, this scripture in Romans. It says in 8, 24 to 25, it says, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we don't yet have, we wait for it patiently. What is God saying to you today? I've shared what he's saying to me. Tried to be vulnerable and, and explain to you that I am definitely a work in progress. There is a lot of pain in my story. There's a lot of victories. There's been some triumphs, but a lot of it is completely unfinished. Could I ask you to set aside your pride for a few minutes or whatever it is that might be keeping you from listening to God. I want you to close your heart and open your mind and be honest before the Lord. What situations are you in that God might be asking you to be bold like Hosea? Or are you running away like Gomer? Are there some secrets that you need to come clean on? I 
I hope you've heard this today. God loves you. He loves you. He sees it. He sees you. I'm so thankful for that little piece alone, that God sees us. And that can make you uncomfortable or it can make you feel really good because you don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to run anymore. Like God just sees you and he sees it all and he still loves you. I mean, I have to say that that is the one piece that I am so grateful that I finally get in my broken self. God loves me. After we close in prayer, there, I'm hoping there will be some people that will be up here to pray with you. And if, if you would like for me to pray with you, I would be so honored to do that. But I, I would ask that you don't miss this opportunity, what God might be saying through this message. Will you stand with me? As we close in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for this heartbreaking story in Hosea to show us the picture of the lengths that you will go to bring us to salvation. We know that you are the author of love and that love is patient, love is kind. Thank you for never keeping the record of our wrongs, but that you rejoice in the truth. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for your enduring love through every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen.